Hi, and welcome to the Pansy Nation podcast. Pansy Nation is an online community of 3.8 million people who have come together to resist the current administration through activism, advocacy, and of course, the power of personal narrative. Uh, this is Libby Chamberlain, and I am one of the co-founders of Pansy Nation. I'm here in my home in Maine. Courtney is actually on her way to a conference in Denver, and I basically screeched in the door about 20 minutes ago after coming uh, from a really exciting conference that I was in in DC. So it's just me today. Uh, Courtney will be back next week. There's a lot going on, and I'm going to get back to um, some kind of current news and calls to action later on in the show. But what I really want to do is uh, introduce our guest today, because this is one that I'm extremely excited about, uh, someone that I have admired from afar for a long time and I'm really thrilled to speak with. So today we have Jennifer Dulski. Uh, Jennifer is the head of groups and community at Facebook, and she was the former president and chief operating officer of Change.org. Under her leadership, Change.org grew from 18 million users to more than 180 million, and many thousands of social change campaigns were successful around the world. She's also worked at Yahoo and Google, and she was the founder and director of Summerbridge Pittsburgh, which was a nonprofit organization that helps underserved middle school students get on a path to college. She writes frequently about management and leadership for LinkedIn Influencers, Fortune, and Huffington Post. And her new book, which I've been working my way through, is Purposeful, Are You a Manager or a Movement Starter? And that comes out next week. i um, been lucky enough to dive into an early copy. And uh, welcome to the podcast, Jennifer. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Libby. Thanks so much for having me. So um, I, there's so much that, that I want to talk to you. I mean, I mentioned just very briefly that you're the head of groups at Facebook. And so you, um, you know, you oversee a huge part of what Facebook uh, represents to a lot of people, uh, you know, around the globe and very specifically to me as, as one of the leaders of a Facebook group. And, and I want to circle back to that. But first, uh, I really want to talk about your book because uh, it's, it's just very exciting. I mentioned just briefly when we were speaking before we started recording that I wish it's something that I had a year and a half ago when I started Pantsuit Nation because it's just this amazingly, you know, beautiful, simple, yet compelling like roadmap for people who are trying to create change in the world. Um, and, you know, you talk about a, a, like a new vision of leadership and you give tons of examples of people that uh, aren't just sort of putting an idea out into the world, but they have mission and values front and center. Um, so maybe we could start by just having you tell us one of the stories that you share in the book or a favorite example that you have of what that looks like in the real world when someone has a great idea and then turns that into a movement as opposed to just kind of like throwing it out there and see if, if anyone kind of catches on. Yeah, I, I draw the distinction in purposeful between managers and movement starters because what I've seen is that movement starters, people who are successful at this, are the ones who don't accept the status quo and, you know, push to think of what's possible. It's the difference between saying, well, we're, you know, we're already doing everything we can and saying there must be more that we can do. And I've been really fortunate in my career to have this front row seat to not only witnessing, but also supporting people as they build these movements. You know, I, I've seen it at change. I see it in my role every day at Facebook. And the hardest part is that was actually narrowing down the stories because there are just so many. And, you know, honestly, Pantsuit Nation is one of them. You guys have built an incredible <laughs> movement. And, you know, as you said, 3.8 million people that first came together around a community of something you were passionate about and then has been able since to, to effectively organize and start this movement. So, the thing that I think about when I look at examples from the book is that they're just so different. What I've seen is 
you know, the idea is anyone can do this because I've seen literally almost everyone be able to do it from children to grandparents, veterans, violent crime survivors, you know, incredible assortment of people. And it's very hard to pick one story. Uh, one that does come to mind is a young woman named Amanda Wynn who has been fighting the fight for sexual assault survivors' rights. And she started an organization called RISE, and they successfully passed the Sexual Assault Survivors Bill of Rights uh, last year unanimously in Congress, which it's one of only 21 bills since the late 80s to pass unanimously in a very divided Congress. And now they're on the, the march to pass it in all 50 states and have passed so far 12 out of 50 states. And she's very inspiring. And she, you know, again, sort of someone who had a, a very closely held personal belief that, that arose out of, uh, you know, personal experience and, and um, you know, what she was seeing in the world around her and saw an opportunity to take a risk um, and kind of follow that, that, value and, and that idea um, through in a, in a really passionate way. And I think that that, like you said, I mean, reading through the book, there's just so many incredible examples and so many women. Thank you for, um, you know, <laughs> highlighting what women are doing in, in creating these movements, because um, I think for some people, when they look into the landscape of successful, you know, startup ventures or even nonprofits, it can sometimes be harder um, to find examples just because it's women are, you know, kind of disadvantaged in so many ways. So highlighting the incredible women and young girls who are change makers is, has been very inspiring to read about. Um, and it's also you. something that we talk about in the podcast all the time, which is like, and you say this in the book, it's like you, you just like make that decision that, that I can be the one to create change. And there's so many different ways to create change and, and to, to follow a passion. And, and I love that, that, part of your book, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that sort of central idea that you have, which is like, if it's not going to be me, then who's it going to be? It might as well just be me, right? That's right. The, the whole concept of this is, if, if I believe something needs to be changed, then why not me? Why shouldn't I be the one to step forward and do it? And what I've seen is that there is a, a set of leadership skills that you know, successful movement starters use, and I call it the leadership thread. And it takes all different forms. As we said, it's people of all different demographics. It also uh, exhibits in social change campaigns, as well as people who start companies and entrepreneurs and so forth. And they basically follow five key steps. The first is creating a really clear and compelling vision. The second is mobilizing people to support them behind that vision. The third is about effectively persuading decision makers, people who have the power to make the, the change that you want to see. Uh, the fourth is about navigating criticism, which is inevitably going to increase the more successful your movement becomes. And the fifth one is about overcoming obstacles, which, as we know, many of these movements, they're not instantaneous. They're long you know, efforts that take determination and patience and so forth. And the key thing, as you mentioned, is not just saying, why not me, but realizing that a lot of these movements start with relatively small actions. So you don't have to set out thinking, I'm going to change the world in this massive way. You just have to 
set out thinking, I'm going to do one thing, one thing that matters, one thing that might um, rally other people behind me. And I liken it sometimes to a standing ovation. It's, you know, the one person in the audience who has the courage to stand up and say, I'm, I really loved this thing and I'm going to stand and clap for it. And then the next few people who stand up and all of a sudden everybody's standing. And that's kind of the way movements work. So that first action that first action can be anything from starting a Facebook group like you did or starting a petition like many people do or creating an event for your local community to come together that you want to talk about the issue that you have in mind. Any of those things can, can work. Absolutely. And, and again, we see that time and again. And, um, you know, those, those little things that do start, I think some of us don't necessarily know like there does seem to be purpose and vision behind some of those small actions. And sometimes it's really clear from the beginning and sometimes it's not. And, and following the thread of, of passion and feeling like you're doing um, the work that you know it, it's going to take. And, and again, it might be a small thing to see that change um, and, and just kind of like following the breadcrumbs. And sometimes you realize you've been on the, on a path before you even sort of can fully see the extent of the path until you've maybe progressed along it a little ways that that wasn't particularly articulate, but you just do a great example of, um, or a great job in, in the book of bringing those examples together. And, and, um, it's very inspiring and also so practical. And, and I want to like, maybe tell us a little bit about what your goals are for the book in terms of like, how can this be used? I've already said, you know, for me, it's like, well, I've dog-eared some pages to share with my team and <laughs> things that I think are just so practical and useful. Do you hope this becomes sort of like a manual for people that, that are looking to, to do something in the world? I hope so. My belief is that we are all movement starters and so my hope with the book is to provide a set of inspiring stories so that we all can see that other people who may look just like us or may look really different than us um, can start movements, and then to provide a set of practical tips and advice, because sometimes you do need that. You just need to know, okay, I'm stuck in this one particular position, or I'm battling a particular obstacle. What are some strategies I can use um, to combat that? And in addition, so there's a lot of that in the book, and then we'll be putting up a resources page on the website, which is purposefulbook.com, uh, for additional resources and links that people can use beyond what goes in the book. And uh, we're also starting our own Facebook group to try to have a community of people that can help and support each other as they start their own movements. Oh, I love that. Well, of course, I love that. That's that's not going to be a surprise to me. Um, and, you know, speaking of Facebook groups and, and your role, you haven't been at Facebook um, for very long. You came from change.org, which um, I think probably has more of a reputation um, in the in the greater world as being like the, the place of activists or people that are, are trying to create positive social change. I, of course, believe that, believe that Facebook um, is that space as well, but maybe not quite as recognizable um, as a social network. Can you, in terms of, you know, the, the capacity for creating social movements, um, tell us a little bit about what brought you to Facebook, some of the potential you see, some of the challenges um, in terms of how to empower people to create movements or, or build their movements on Facebook? Yeah, so as you mentioned, I joined Facebook in September of 2017. And you know, part of the reason I joined is because I just so firmly believe in the mission of giving people the power to build community. And 
Facebook is able to help people do that at a scale that really has never been seen before. And it's really, community is really critically important to the future of our world. And there's a lot of research now that talks about things like the rise of loneliness and how, you know, they now say loneliness is deadlier than obesity. It's equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And what I see and the people I support who build communities on top of Facebook are working on helping people find that sense of connection and belonging that people are so desperately needing in the world right now. And they do it on all of the topics that you can think matter. It's around our families, our work, our local neighborhoods, and then kind of the causes that matter to us, like you do in Pantsuit Nation, and just about everything that people might think is unique or unusual or maybe makes them feel isolated, they can find other people on Facebook that love those things too. You know, there are groups for people who love chopping wood and people who love baking sourdough bread, but also people who are struggling with addiction or trying to find other people who are adopted like them, etc. And what happens when you build these supportive communities is that you get the potential to drive massive movements and action because I mean, all movements are started by individuals, either a, a single individual or a small group. But a movement isn't a movement until you have other people supporting it. And so the power of community that then can transition into movements is what I see uh, being possible every day at Facebook. Yes, I agree. I co-sign everything that you said. <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> nodding my head because it's, um, y- you know, in Pansuit Nation, we... We just see that so clearly and it's not like every day there's 3.7 million people like marching in lockstep towards a common goal because the world isn't that <laughs> that easy or that clean and yet mm-hmm. at the same time we see the power of even you know a few thousand of those people kind of rallying around to, to make phone calls um, about something that they care about or donating um, to a cause that they care about and gradually those things sort of form together and that's really beautiful kind of patchwork quilt where we're all fighting for, you know, the same common core beliefs where, you know, around equality and equity um, and, you know, the the common belief we have in the America that that we know and that we want to see in the future. Um, and I as you reference, there's there's no other platform in the world that that would allow that because of the scale and the access. Uh, we've got members who you know can't show up in person to events or marches, whether you know from geographic or financial or or physical limitations. And being able to connect online to other like-minded individuals, uh, women that might live in rural areas or don't have sort of a network of other people that they can connect to um, about politics or about um, you know, all of the things that, that come up in Pantsuit Nation. And, and we've also met a lot of other community leaders through Facebook, people that are running, you know, groups for uh, breastfeeding mothers, people with addiction or, or um, you know, when their families are touched by addiction. Uh, the March for Science is a group that we've had on the podcast before that we love that also has a really strong Facebook presence. So everyone, I just I, I just love what you've said. And I, um, I really do strongly believe also in, in that amazing potential um, and success in, in leading change from Facebook community. And actually, what you said is so true. I think, you know, what you've done is such a beautiful example of pull people together around a clear and compelling vision that you created. And the fact that 
it has so many people involved in your community now means that you can, everyone can participate in the way that makes sense to them. So some people, you're right, will show up at events. Other people will do things that they're good at. And it's pulling together supporters of a movement who each have something different and valuable to offer that makes them really successful. And how exciting that we live you know, in a in an age now where you can build a coalition like that online when, you know, I think about Me Too um, and everything that's happened with that. And one of the things um, that Tarana Burke, who, you know, first kind of coined that phrase and, and has been working um, in this field for a long time said is that you need, people have been speaking up about sexual assault and abuse for a long time, but there's something about the frequency that those stories are shared and that those voices are elevated that needs to reach sort of a, a, a pitch and a cadence that gets people to pay attention. And I really believe that, you know, connectivity and, and social networks and Facebook in particular has allowed that frequency to happen in a, in a very important way. And um, it's pretty cool what's happening now, I think, and, and that you can bring together so many disparate people with different strengths to build movements that I think are going to be stronger than anything else that we've had in history. It's so true. And technology is definitely allowing us to mobilize people faster than ever before. And it's amazing to see what can happen when people come together like that. And I look at uh, the Parkland students as a really good example of that recently, too. They were able to take a very difficult personal situation. And, and, you know, Emma Gonzalez has become a household name so quickly as, as one of the faces of that movement in a way that just wouldn't have been possible without technology. And while they have a long fight ahead of them, you know, they've already been able to you know, persuade the state of Florida to change their gun laws and, and so forth, which I think just would, would have been much harder without all of these tools available. Absolutely. So um, we just have a couple of minutes left. I know you're, you're a very um, busy woman. And I just want to ask a little bit more about your story and, and kind of, you know, in Facebook and, um, in, excuse me, in Pantsuit Nation, we, we always try and connect the dots between what you know, your, your story and your background is and what you're doing now. And, um, you talk about that really beautifully in the book as well. And, and storytelling as a strategy for creating change. And you can see that on the individual basis. You can see that on the global basis. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about, um, kind of what has called you to this current work or, or is there any part of your background that kind of, um, has sparked this, this fierceness in you that now has has given you this platform to share your vision with so many people. Well, first of all, I, I couldn't agree with you more on the the power of storytelling as a strategy, and it is something I talk a lot about in the book. We also think about this on our team here. You know, our goal is to help a billion people find meaningful connections to communities, and so we talk a lot about finding meaningful connection with each other and sharing our own stories as part of that. And we've, we've done an exercise here that, that I do with many teams that might be fun for your team to try to called lifelines where, and maybe you do this already probably, uh, but we have people talk about three to five events in their life that have really helped make them who they are today. And we do it in small groups kind of confidentially. And it's one of the things I've seen be most powerful at helping a group of people come together, really understand each other and so forth. So I won't do the whole lifelines exercise here because we don't have time, (laughs) but I will say that um, a few of the things that have happened in my life have been a core part of my story. And 
One is that I've been kind of coach and teacher most of my life. Like I started very early. I tutored ESL to students, high school students who were coming to San Francisco from other countries. I was, you know, a coxswain on the crew team, which I talk a lot about in the book and the lessons I learned from that. And I later, as I was running Summer Bridge, as you mentioned before, I was a high school teacher too. And so I think through all of these experiences, I've just learned the power of the impact that one person can have by helping other people be their best. And that's been my primary goal and why I took the job at Change and why I took the job here at Facebook is that I know that by helping people like you and other community leaders succeed, that I will have far more impact in that way than I ever could on my own. And so my hope with this book is that I can persuade many, many people to start their own movements and then support them in doing that. I've also had a few what I call perspective gaining moments in my life that I talk about in the book. One uh, was in my 20s, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor uh, and having to kind of handle that while being in one of my first major jobs and kind of overcoming that challenge. And later in my life, one of my daughters had a very serious accident. And it is moments like this that really have helped me gain perspective and have helped me think about how important it is to make sure that my life matters and that I do something that is meaningful and makes our world better. And I hope that I can help other people do that too. Amazing. So inspiring and so relevant to this moment that we're having in history to um, the the work that Pansy Nation and so many other organizations are, are um, doing right now to empower people and, and kind of um, build up the grassroots. And, and it doesn't have to be political. It, it's about things that we care about and, and um, you know, how to you know, be the change and, and all that. So um, the book is Purposeful. Are you a manager or a movement starter? It's coming out next week on Tuesday, May 22nd. You can pre-order um, online or at your local bookstore. Um, Jennifer, can you tell our listeners where to find you? Um, you mentioned the book uh, website is purposefulbook.com. Do you have any other uh, places where people can find and follow your work? Yes, uh, the book has an Instagram called at Purposeful Book on Instagram. We also are just this week opening a Facebook group, which will be called Purposeful. And people can also find me on uh, LinkedIn as well and on Facebook at Jay Dulski. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And uh, I hope that we get to connect in person sometime soon. But in the meantime, I'll be following you online because that's where a lot of stuff happens these days, obviously. And thanks again for having me, Libby, and thanks for all the great work you and Pantsuit Nation are doing. It's our pleasure. Thanks so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Jen. So it was incredible to have Jennifer Dolsky join us uh, this week on the podcast. Uh, as I've mentioned, uh, her book is incredible. I've been reading it, dog-earing it, and uh, she's a leader at Facebook and has created this opportunity for so many of us to be involved in movements online, offline. Um, so thank you to her for joining us. And uh, now I'm going to turn to the call to action for the week. Um, so recently, Attorney General Jeff Sessions announced that the United States will seek to prosecute 100% of people who come over the U.S. border from Mexico. 
Mexico. Uh, they don't do this in Canada. And they will separate families. Even more recently, we've learned that the Department of Health and Human Service is considering housing those separated children at military bases, something that's cruel and inhumane. And we have done this cruel and inhumane thing as a country before. In 2014, the Obama administration sent over 7,000 children to military bases. There are many reasons not to separate kids from their parents, one of the most urgent being that we have a terrible track record of keeping those kids safe and accounted for. HHS Acting Assistant Secretary Stephen Wagner testified in April that the federal government lost track of 1,475 immigrant children after placing them in the care of adult sponsors, not to mention the young people who wind up victims of violence, trafficking, and sexual abuse. So please call your senators and ask them to use Congress's oversight authority to stop separating families at the U.S. border. Go to fivecalls.org, uh, which again is one of our favorite resources for numbers, call scripts, all the information that you need is there, fivecalls.org, um, and call about this issue of separating uh, families and placing children on military bases. It's not something that we can stand for. And now on to uh, the golden pantsuit. It's been an exciting uh, week just in the last uh, 24 hours. There are really fantastic primaries all over the country and in Pennsylvania in particular. There were a lot of women who succeeded in their races. But this week we're, we're going to um, keep it extremely local and something that I think Jennifer Dolsky, our guest this week, would really appreciate. Uh, a young woman named Cassie Levesque uh, is the golden pantsuit winner for this week. Um, and for her Capstone Gold Star Award, a girl Girl Scout project, Cassie, who's a freshman at Southern New Hampshire University, sought to change the age a child can get married in New Hampshire from 13 years old to 18. Her first try failed, but last week Cassie's renewed efforts succeeded and the House and Senate passed a bill to have the age changed to 16, which the governor who supports the bill is expected to sign. It's not her original goal, uh, but a critical victory in this fight. So let's hear Cassie describe how she kept the fight going after the initial bill was defeated. First, I went to my team after my bill was killed and they asked me, do you want to keep continuing on and I said yes I do I don't want to give up I want to keep fighting and next thing you know we have three more bills heading for the House of Representatives and next thing you know they get passed and then we're on to the Senate and then that gets passed through committee and then on the Senate floor and it was just an amazing experience. How do you feel? Very excited and very proud of myself for changing something in my state that has been on the books for a hundred years and it's finally changed. So that's from a clip from MSNBC and uh, you know of course one of the things that we love about this is is that sort of you know movement potential and, and this is a, an issue that is obviously really important uh, but also the fact that she didn't let the initial failure um, of the bill end her fight and now she's made her state a safer place for young people through her perseverance. So um, again those stumbling blocks those hurdles that we need to get over you know are there's so many different Different ways that we can look around us and see examples of people pursuing and persevering to, to get to their goals. So Cassie is studying political science, and so we might be hearing from her again. I wouldn't be surprised. So golden pantsuit to Cassie Levesque of New Hampshire.
So uh, that's the end of the show this week. Uh, thank you to our guest, Jennifer Dolsky, to our team at Cadence 13. Please, uh, if you like what you hear, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and uh, leave us a review. You can visit us at pantsuitnation.org. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at pantsuitnation. And uh, we'll be back next week. Courtney will be back. And in the meantime, don't forget that this democracy is your democracy. So stay engaged. Thank you.